Good morning, everyone. It's great to have you here with us. My name is John Miklas. I'm the lead pastor here at CCC. If you're a guest, we're honored that you are choosing to spend some of your Sunday with us. If you are a regular attender, it's great to have you here with us today. Um, as you heard Roddy mention, we're getting ready for our Christmas Eve services. They are coming up here next weekend. And I uh, want to encourage you to grab three invitations on your way out. Uh, three invitations, take them with you. Uh, invite family members, friends, co-workers. But I encourage you to take a couple with you because you never know who you're going to meet this next week. And you're going to think, oh, I could invite that individual to come. Yesterday we had a guy in here patching some drywall. A uh, contractor does that for us periodically, and I invited him uh, to come. So I uh, just want to encourage you to grab three of these invitations. A few extra things that we're going to have uh, that uh, we didn't tell you about yet. We've got uh, Christmas cookies coming in. Everybody loves great Christmas cookies. Everybody also loves gifts. So if you come to one of our four Christmas Eve services, you have a chance to win a very nice gift. So that is coming up for that time as well. Well, nobody told me that when my wife and I were expecting our first child that there were rules around coming up with a name for your child. I didn't know about the rules. They didn't go over that in our pre-marriage counseling class. But I soon discovered that when you're coming up with a name for your child, there's rules. For instance, if your spouse has ever dated anyone with that name you're considering, it's out. It's off the table. It's out. Um, if your spouse has a conflict with someone with that name or that person rubs them the wrong way, that name is out. I discovered that as well. Um, if anyone else in the family or anyone they remotely know has that name, that one's out as well. I also found out that names have a statue of limitations. I did not know this, but uh, so our daughter was born and we didn't know if we we're going to have a son or daughter, so we picked out names for boy and names for girl. And then um, our son didn't come along until seven years later, so I thought, we're good on the name things. You know, we got a boy's name until the night before. She's like, we need a name. I'm like, what do you mean we need a name? We got a name. She's like, no, that name doesn't work anymore. What do you mean that name doesn't work anymore? It worked seven years ago. Why doesn't it work now? And it didn't work, so we had to come up with another name. But uh, in this name selection process, you not only have to think about all the factors around the name, but you have to think about how the names go together, because how the names go together can cause you problems down the road. For instance, Mr. and Mrs. Mann did not think about what their daughter's name would sound like when she got to high school, and her name was Anita. I need a man, you know. Just doesn't sound good when you're introducing yourself in high school, you know. Um, Eileen Wright, she never got off on the right foot, you know, so she leans right all the time. She's on the wrong foot. Um, you know, lowest price, just not how you want to introduce yourself. I'm the lowest price, you know, lowest price, you know. Um, and then Helen, she married a guy... Um, and 10 years later, she didn't put this two and two together until 10 years later when she was Helen back. You know, that's how, what her marriage had been like, you know, for the last 10 years. So, um, you know, we're in this series looking at names and we're talking about names. And so we're talking about the names that God gave to Jesus. And these were names that he didn't have to wonder what, their, what he would be like. He knew what Jesus would be like. You know, when we give our kids names, sometimes they have a family connection, sometimes it's a name we like, but sometimes the names have some significance, the meaning of the names. And the meanings often represent their character, especially throughout culture and history. And while we hope our children will live up to their names, we never know whether that will be true or not. But when Jesus was given these names by God, he knew what he would be like. And this combination of names we've been talking about over the last several weeks. We talked about the name Wonderful Counselor as someone who you can turn to for advice. 
uh, no matter what you're facing in your life. We talked last week about the name Mighty God, that He has the power to do what He has said He will do. There's no question that He has the power to do that. He's demonstrated in the past. He did it when He was here on the earth, and He will do it uh, when He returns. And He has the power to do that in our lives today. And this morning we're going to look at this title, Everlasting Father. Everlasting Father. And the phrase I've attached to this is, will He come through? Will He come through? You know, every time you push a button on your computer, you expect it to do what? Turn on, right? Every time you pull out your phone and you hold the button on the side or tap the button on the bottom, the home button, if it has that, or whatever button to turn on, you expect it to do what? Turn on. When you turn the key on your car, what do you expect it to do? Turn on. And when it doesn't, turn on, we're, we're devastated, right? When it doesn't turn on, why won't it turn on? Why won't it turn on? It did it all these other times. Why won't it turn on now? Why will the car not start? I just have enough time to get to work. I do not have time for this. And so we go through this process over and over and over again, and we expect it to happen every single time. But the truth is, life doesn't work that way, does it? It just doesn't. As a parent... How many of you, in spite of your best efforts, in spite of your desire to be there for your kids, have had times when you have not come through for your kids? Let me see your hands as parents, okay? Nearly every parent has or is putting their hand in the air, you know? Right? How many of you can think back times when you wish your parents would have come through for you and they did not come through for you? Most of us probably can put our hands in the air, right? How many of you can think of a coworker who said, hey, I'll help you out on that project. You're kind of pinched and we're under the gun. I'll help you out on that project. But the last minute, the boss pulls them away or they forget or they bail on you. And they don't come through. How many of you who are married, in spite of your desires and wishes to do the opposite, know of times when you have not come through for your spouse? Let me see your hands. How many of you have not come through for your spouse, right? Now, don't raise your hand on this one, but how many of you have not had your spouses come through for you? You, know, you won't have a ride home. We'll be getting a ride for you. you know, no Uber out here. You know? um, we, we know it happens, right? It's what happens in relationships, and it's what happens in life, and yet we have this desire, this built-in sense that we want someone, we want others to come through, we want someone to come through for us, and yet there are times that they just don't. And for some of us, we develop almost this fatalistic mentality, this catastrophe of mentality. Like if things have been coming through, like, oh, it's coming. It's, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. It's coming, you know. And others of us, we don't want to go there. And so we just kind of live in this naive bliss that it will always come through, and it doesn't. But this morning, we're going to look at this title described, given to Jesus. And this title is that He is the Everlasting Father. And I want to suggest to you that He will come through every time. He is a father who will come through every time. And as I talk about the subject of father, um, it stirs something up in us. It just does. They say, why does it do that? Because the role of the father um, is the role that has, uh, it has this greatest weightiness in our lives. Father and mother both are significant, both have significant impact. But there's a weightiness around the role of a father. Um, I read this week that a child's relationship with their father is the most significant factor in whether or not their, their, their son or daughter will choose their faith. I talk about wanting to pass our faith along. 
your relationship with your kid, most significant factor. Um, Sigmund Freud said, there's nothing more common than when a person loses their relationship with their father, they abandon their faith. Every well-known atheist that we know of in our culture, what's your relationship with your dad? Don't have one. Don't have one. Don't have one. And so when we talk about this subject of father, it's huge implications. Huge implications. And as I talk about that, for some of you, your relationship with your dads may have been good. But for others of you, as I talk about the relationship with your dad brings up pain. Because it's memories of abandonment, memories of his explosions, memories of him being physically present, but not emotionally present, memories of him being too busy, memories of criticism of you, couldn't find anything good, or maybe even worse, memories of abuse relationally, physically, sexually. And so as I wade into this subject of everlasting father, I do so knowing that it steps on some areas, it pushes into some parts of our story, some parts of our lives that are hard, that are difficult, that are sensitive. And we're going to talk about how to navigate that when we get to the other end of this message. But I hope this morning as you listen to my description, as I challenge you about who Jesus is, you will be given a glimpse, you will be given a picture of a father who always comes through for you. He always comes through for you. You say, John, this is confusing because you, you tell me, talking about Jesus as everlasting father, but I thought he was the son of God. I'm, I'm kind of confused. How can he be a son and a father? Well, I think the title father is given to picture for us what Jesus is like. It's a picture for us of what he's like. And so how is it possible that he's a father that will always come through? Well, I want to suggest you to start off that he's a father that always comes through because he has the long view of our lives. The long view of our lives. Psalm 90, verse 1 and 2 says, Lord, you've been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born or you were brought forth, from everlasting to everlasting you are God. And what David is suggesting, excuse me, actually Moses, who's the writer of this, is suggesting is that from the beginning of time he was here and to the end of time he will be here. We talked about last week that Jesus was here in the beginning. Jesus was actually here before creation started and was a part of the creative process. And he will be here all the way to the end until time comes to its conclusion in John's vision in Revelation 22 when it comes to an end. And so being here from the beginning to the end gives him a unique perspective because he has the long view of our lives. Let me illustrate this for you. Um, when my son was younger, about 10 years old, I said to my wife, I said, um, I want to buy him a tool. She's like, why do you want to buy him a tool? He doesn't care about tools. I was like, I know he doesn't care about tools. But um, there'll be a day I think he will care about tools. Said, All right, you can buy him a tool. So I bought him a tool, stuck it in his stocking, opened it up. Oh, what's next? Threw it aside, you know. I was all excited. No, he wasn't excited at all. You know, so next year, got another, oh, another tool. Oh, that tool thing. Puts it aside, you know. So every year, got him a tool, got him a tool. And then um, last year, I said to my wife, I think I want to buy him a, a, a set of sockets. And, um, and uh, she's like, why would you want to get him that? He's not going to like that. So I got him a set of socks. Guess what? He was very excited. He was thrilled. Yes, I got one, you know. And uh, so he was thrilled with it. And he actually bought himself a toolbox with some extra money to put all his tools in it. And now he's working outside and working on cars. How did you know he would eventually care about tools? Well, because I was a, I was a young kid and... Um, I needed tools from time to time to do things. And I'm, anybody that knows me knows I don't use tools in my everyday life, and I, I use them on occasion, but it's nice when you need them to have them. 
And so having lived this much of life, and my son being here, I knew that there was a good chance when he got to here, this would be something that would be important to him, even if he didn't pursue anything with him, to just have at his, at his just be available to him. And you know what? I was right. Why? Because I know my son and I can re- tell the future? No, because I have a long view of life. Because I've lived life from a young man to an adult man, and I know the things that are going to be needed and important to him. And I was able to do that. And one of the reasons that... And I, so I want to walk with you some ways that Jesus is able to look at our lives and have this long view of our lives and see what really matters to us. And the reason that um, he's able to have this long view of life and the reason that he's a father who always comes through for us is, first of all, because he knows me. He knows me. Um, Psalm 139 talks about this. David, the writer of this psalm, says those exact words to God. You know me. You know me. He said, you know my thoughts. Does anybody know all of your thoughts? Nobody knows all my thoughts. I'm glad nobody knows all my thoughts. Um, God knows all my thoughts. You discern my going out and my lying down. God knows everywhere I'm going to go. Um, regularly in my home, I, my wife and I will sit down and go over our schedule, and she'll say, what do you got going on this week? So I'll go over, this is what I got going on this week. And then invariably, two or three days in, I'm like, okay, I got to leave early. She's like, you didn't put it on the schedule. I'm like, oh, it just popped up. It just came up, and so I got to go do this. She's like, ah, oh, all right, go do it, you know. Um, because I forget to tell her, right? And, and I don't, uh, it's in my head. I know it, but I don't tell her about it. God knows all of that stuff. He knows where I'm going, when I'm going. He knows even more than that. He said, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. My frame was not hidden from you. I was made in a secret place. You realize God knew about you when you were conceived before your mom and dad even knew you were alive, even knew that they had conceived. God knew about you. He knew about you. He knew when you were being formed, when, you were, when your body was slowly developing in your mother's womb. He knew about you. He knew about you. He said, your eyes saw my unformed body, even when it was just a shape that was not intelligible. God knew you. He said, all the days ordained or planned and designed for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Do you realize what David is saying here? David's saying, God, you, you knew the whole story of my life, chapter 1 through the end, the beginning to the end. You knew what each page, each day of my life was going to be before it ever started. You knew what it was going to be. You know me. How is he a father who will always come through for you? Because he knows what the next day holds. He knows what the next chapter holds. He knows what the next month, week, year, decade holds. I was taking an educated guess, and my son would think he might need tools. I didn't even know, but I took an educated guess, and I was on target there. But he knows all of those things. Not only does he know all of those things about you, um, but he is crazy over you. He is crazy over you. He will do anything for you. Say, what do you mean he'll do anything for you? Do you realize that he was willing to give up his one and only son, Jesus, and commission him to come to this earth, to live on this earth, to die a horrible death 
for my sin, for your sin, for your sin, for your sin, so that He could have a relationship with you. That's how much you matter to Him. That's how much He cares about you. That's how important you are to Him. And not only will he, would He give up what He treasured most for you, but He lets everybody know how crazy He is over you. Zephaniah 3.17 So the Lord our God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great and delight with you. He will rejoice over you with singing. Now I don't know what kind of fan you are like when you're at your kids' or grandkids' games and events, you know, but I, I yell a lot when I'm at my kids' games and, and um, uh, my wife yells a very little bit. I yell a lot. I make up for both of us, you know. And, and I don't know if he can hear us or not. Every once in a while, yeah, I heard you, Dad. You know, yeah, I heard you, you know. Um, but this is not just yelling. This is singing. This is singing. You know, I asked Damien, do you sing about your kids? He sings history songs. Damien makes up songs about history. He's a history teacher. Um, his kids said, no, he doesn't sing over them. But he's so excited, and he's so thrilled with you. He's so crazy about you, and he sings about you. He sings about you. You know, David, back in that Psalm 139 we were looking at, all these things he's describing about God knowing him, he's like, this is just so amazing. I can't even wrap my mind around. It's just too wonderful for me to even wrap my mind around. So he knows you. He's crazy about you. And then thirdly, um, he provides for me and for you. Provides for me and for you. If you have a Bible, grab, grab a Bible and turn to Philippians chapter 4. Um, you can follow along in your phone or tablet. Philippians is a letter that Paul, the apostle, one of Jesus' followers, wrote to a group of first century Christ followers that had gathered, were starting to meet in a small church, probably in someone's house. And uh, Philippians is his letter to them. He had met with him, given them some instruction, and then he went away and he came back, uh, or he sent this letter back. And as he sends this letter back to them, he's writing to them in Philippians chapter 4. And in uh, Philippians 4, let's start with verse 10. He says, I rejoice greatly that at last you renewed your concern. They were concerned, and they got that word to Paul. Um, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. So they were concerned for Paul, and they couldn't figure out how to show their concern for him. He said, I'm not saying this because I need something. He said, very in verse 11, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Uh, that to me is a pretty remarkable statement. I've learned to be content. Uh, contentment doesn't come naturally to us. Anybody know a five-year-old that's content? Anybody know a five-year-old? Five-year-old parents are like, yeah, you know. Um, anybody know a, um, a middle or high school student that's content? Anybody know any of them? You know, maybe when they're not feeling well. You know, I'm just kidding. Sorry to all high school students here, middle school students. But we're not naturally content, right? We naturally want more. But let's not just talk about infants and, you know, high schoolers. But how many adults are content? How many adults do you know are content with where they are in life, with what they... How many are just content? I'm good. I'm good. Paul goes on to say in these next couple verses, he says, if I need something, I'm good. If I have plenty, I'm good. I'm good. He says, I had to learn to be content. It doesn't come naturally to us. So how did Paul learn to be content? I think Paul learned to be content down a little bit further in verse 19 when he said this. He says, my God will meet all of your needs according to his riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. 
I think what Paul learned is Paul learned that the reason he was content is because he knew God was going to come through and provide for him. God was going to be there. God was going to meet his needs. Paul didn't say God was going to meet all of his wants. Paul didn't say God was going to meet all of his needs in his time. But he said he's going to meet all of his needs. He said he was going to do that. This is not a new concept. It's a concept all throughout the Bible. It talks about it over and over again. In Luke 11, Jesus is talking on the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, he says, how many of you, if, you're, if you, a child asks you as their father for some food, would you give them a poisonous reptile? You're like, of course not. He says, so ask. I'm going to meet your need. In James 1, James says, every good gift and every perfect gift comes from where? Not from your own hands, not from your own hard work, comes down from the Father of lights. And so what I think Paul began to figure out is that God was going to provide for him. Say, so how's that going to happen? Look at the end of the verse. According to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ is bankrolling all this. He's the one funding it all. It's through him and because of him that all of this is possible. So he knows me. He's crazy about me. He provides for me. And then lastly, he protects me. Lastly, he protects me. One role that a good father has for his kids is to protect them. To protect them. And there's nothing that strikes more at the heart of a dad and a mom as well, but as a dad that we're talking about today, is when your kids are in pain. And um, dads usually are not the real compassionate ones. You know, they're usually the ones that say things like, suck it up or you'll get over it or you'll live for another day. You know, that's the kind of things dads say. Um, but when our kids are in pain, it really hits us really deeply. Because as dads, we are the providers and the, we are the protectors and we want to take care of them. But sometimes pain is a part of the way God works in our lives. Um, a little bit later in the book of Hebrews, the writer of the, the book of Hebrews says, uh, says these words in Hebrews chapter 12. He says this, endure hardship. Sometimes it's discipline because God is treating you just like children. For what children are not disciplined by their fathers? If you're not disciplined, everyone undergoes discipline. You're not really a true son or a true daughter. He said, our fathers, earthly fathers, disciplined for a little while, just doing what they thought was good. But God, when he allows these things to happen, is so that we would be more like him. And then he says this in verse 12. He said, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. As a dad... One of the things I probably hate the most is when I have to say no to my kids or say this is the consequence, this is the discipline you have for your actions. And they're not going to like it. They're going to be angry with me. They're going to be upset. Um, they're going to feel um, pain because of it, feel loss. One of the hardest things in my life as a parent to do. Say, why do you do it? Why do you do it? Because I have the long view of life. Because I know if I do not act now, then this is where they will be. If I don't make this choice now, this is likely where they will end up. I heard James Dobson say, if your kid does something at four that they'll keep doing at 14, you better do something at four. You know, they spill milk, they're probably not going to be spilling milk at 14, you know. Um, they talk back at four, they're going to be talking back, yeah, they'll be talking back at 14, you know. 
Why do you do those things? Because you have this long view, just like God. Not eternity, not perfectly, but you have this long view. And so you know if you don't act now. And so as much as a father, I want to protect and keep from him. Part of my protection of him and keeping him from things that will happen in his life is doing hard and painful things now in the moment. And the reason I bring this to you, because I think this is a concept about God that's really important for us to grab hold of. Because as we talk about God being this Father that will always come through, sometimes when God allows in our lives things that are painful, things that are difficult, things that are hard, things that are hurt, things that are confusing, things that don't make any sense, we're like, you're not coming through for me, God. But He is. He is. Because He's a Father who loves you. And he knows you, and he's crazy about you, and he wants to provide for you, and he protects you by sometimes allowing and bringing those things in for your good. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said this, he says, if, Jesus, if God takes care of the birds of the heavens, the birds of the sky, is he not going to take care of you? And so how do I respond to a father like this? An everlasting Father who will always come through for you. I want to talk first of all to the dads. Um, because as dads, we hear this is who God is. Um, there's probably not a dad in this room with some level of self-reflection to think, oh, man, that's not me. Wish it was. Or it's too late. They're out, they're gone. Can't, play, can't roll back the clock. And um, I just want to say to the dads who are here, uh, you know, as we talk about God as Father, it's not only something that we can run to and we can embrace, but we can learn from. And I want to suggest to you, dads, that it's never too late to learn those lessons. It's never too late never too late to say to your kids, I love you, I'm thrilled with you, I'm proud of you. Never too late to say those words. And if you have relationships with your kids, even adult kids, where you've never said those words, maybe that's part of the gift that you offer to them this next week, next two weeks. My suspicion is you'll probably see them. Um, but maybe this next two weeks for you, what God's given you a nudge to do is to say, hey, can we talk for a few minutes? Um, you know, I, I've never said this to you. Um, I really love you. I've never said this to you, but I'm proud of you for these reasons. Um, as a guy that's 53 years old, it doesn't matter how old you are, you still want to hear those words from your dad. Still want to hear those words. And so as you listen to this, me talk about what God is like as a father to us, what Jesus is like to us. For some of us, there's an action step that God's given you a nudge to move towards them. And, and I've even given you actual words. Say them. Say them. Say, I haven't been there for you. I don't know what that'll look like in the future, but I want to be a dad as much as I can, that's going to be there for you. And maybe you've blown in the past and you've got a lot of regrets, but it's never too late to turn a new page in your story and say, I want to start now. I want to start now. 
Um, you know, if you've had a dad who's been there for you, if you've had a dad who's come through for you, um, if you've had a dad who um, is crazy about you and knows you really well, maybe this Christmas season you just tell him how much you appreciate that. Maybe you just tell him as your gift to him how grateful you are for him being that kind of a dad to you. For some of you, as you think about dad, um, as I mentioned earlier, there's not a lot of good thoughts. Um, there's a lot of heartache and pain. Um, when you think about those things, know you, crazy about you, provide for you, protect you, you're like, man, wish it would have happened, didn't. Maybe dad's gone. Um, you know, I want to say to you, Just like God doesn't give up on us, don't give up on your dad. Most dads, not all, most dads made an effort, had a lot of limitations. And so I want to suggest to you, don't just excuse away what didn't happen or the painful stuff that did. Um, don't deny it. Face it. Say, what do you mean face it, John? As you take these things that I've said this morning, that God is a father that knows you and is crazy about you and provides and protects you, um, I want to invite you just to take some time maybe this week and sit with those things. Um, think about what you wish you would have had that you didn't have. Say, John, isn't that digging up old stuff and stirring up pain and it is stirring up stuff. But as you sit with that and your heart feels sad about what was lost, God is a God of comfort. And he's a God that's going to meet you there. And he's a God that's going to say, well, even though this didn't happen here, I was here, and I was here, and I was here. You might not have seen it. You might not have even known it. You might not have any awareness of me at that time. But I was. Remember, I knew you before you were even formed. I wrote all the pages in your book before you were even born. I know all of that. I'm not surprised by it. I'm saddened and grieved that this is how you were treated as someone made in my image as well. say, John, isn't that going to make things worse? Maybe for the moment. For the moment. But as someone who's walked into this journey in my own life and didn't have a lot of those things that I've talked to you about that God should have to this, in this day where I'm at today, I care more about my Father. I have more compassion for my Father. And I love my father more than I probably ever have. My father's far from perfect, as am I as a dad. But I have a father, an everlasting father, who will always come through for me, who set an example for me, 
and who calls me back to that. And when I experience those shortcomings with my own earthly father, and when I experience those shortcomings as a father, I can go to him as the one who is always there. And I can run to him and know that as I run to him, he's going to run to me, just as the prodigal, the father and the prodigal son did. Because he longs to embrace me and he longs to embrace you and he longs to have a relationship with you. He longs to do that so much he was willing to give up everything for you. For you. And that's what your heavenly Father offers to you today. As we close this morning, I want to do so and just um, by inviting you to listen to a song And as you listen to this song, my prayer is that it will be um, something that you can pray and embrace in your hearts and in your thoughts this morning about your Heavenly Father.